We're almost six months into the pandemic. How close are we to the cure we also desperately want? There are dozens and dozens of teams around the world. I mean, pretty much every pharmaceutical company is looking at this. I talked to a journalist who has taken the personal gamble of becoming a participant in one of the hundreds of trials happening around the world to find a vaccine for COVID-19. There was a theoretical risk that the vaccine could prove not only ineffective, it could actually worsen the symptoms of COVID if you were to catch it. But what's the news on how these vaccine trials are going? How soon might we get one, if at all? And how long would it take to produce enough on scale to save millions of lives and get the world back to work? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, vaccine on trial. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh, hello. Can you hear me? Hi. Hello. Is that Jack? Yes, it is. Hello. Oh, hi, Jack. It's David here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks for doing this. We're both missing Dominic Cummings. Yes, I know. Agony, agony. I'll have to log in afterwards and find out what happened and watch it all on replay. Terrible, terrible. (laughs) A couple of days ago, I spoke to Jack Sommers. He's a freelance journalist and writer who, like the rest of us, has been feeling the strain of the lockdown. I was on Twitter somewhat bereft, having uh, lost my job and feeling a little helpless, as I think so many of us have felt in recent weeks. But a light, a dim, distant light, sort of like a 40-watt energy-saving bulb when it's first turned on, began to shine through his computer screen. And I was on Twitter and I saw someone share a link where you could click and fill out a questionnaire and sign up to be a volunteer in, in the trial. And it was being shared by someone who said, well, I can't do this because I've had symptoms of coronavirus and if you'd had symptoms or tested positive for it you couldn't do it because obviously they're not going to try and vaccinate people who've already had it. Just 24 hours after being told he was unemployed Jack put his name down to become a guinea pig in one of the big coronavirus vaccine trials. So I logged on I answered a few well quite a lot of yes or no questions about my mercifully uneventful medical history basically just answering no to a string of questions about, you know, family history and so on. And then the next day, I got a phone call asking if I could go in the following day to St George's Hospital, uh, which is one of the five hospitals taking part. And how did you feel? At that moment, I think I still felt fine. I was 
if anything, kind of excited. It was something quite interesting to do. I think I told a lot of friends I was doing it. It was it was a conversation starter, and that was sort of how I had wanted to feel. And, and also, you know, I'm, I'm a journalist, and I like to feel like I'm at the centre of events. I, d- I don't really like to feel peripheral to the things that are going on. And I th- think I was mostly just thinking, perfect, this is going to give me a, a walk-on role in, in this pandemic of the type my ego has been craving. Now, you don't have children no i don't no but you do presumably have parents yes my parents they live in shropshire both over 70 and what did you tell them we have a a family whatsapp group and i think i just in a very blasé way just said i'm doing this trial isn't that interesting i didn't really speak to anyone with any kind of appreciation of any risk and so i think perhaps people weren't given to sort of volunteer that it might be risky. The only exception was my older sister, who kept sending pictures of Michael Jackson's transformation in Thriller to the family WhatsApp group whenever my mum asked what would happen. (laughs) Describe that for those who have not seen it. My sister is a huge Michael Jackson fan, so I know this. I'm perhaps better versed in this than most, but it is uh, the moment where Michael Jackson, in the long video to Thriller from 1984, is out with his girlfriend. They're suddenly besieged by zombies and the moment that my sister kept sending was the moment where the camera pans to Michael Jackson and he's still in his glamorous 80s red jumpsuit jacket thing but is now bright green and then dances with the zombies and he's a zombie so she was basically saying I was going to be a zombie and that's the kind of thing my sister tends to say so I kind of ignored it. Right okay so you've got the phone call what happens then? So the next day, I go in, I walk to St George's, which is it's about 10 minutes from my flat. And it's a fascinating sight because I live alone. I've been living alone, socially distancing. And this was the first thing I had seen that looked like a normal workplace in weeks. All I had seen in the last six weeks was a supermarket near my flat and the green near my flat. Other than that, I was just there. And it was it was almost strange that something as kind of colourless and antiseptic as a hospital could look like a normal workplace. People running around in scrubs, very large stencil saying, thank you, NHS, chalked on the pavement outside. And I arrived and we sat and waited briefly at the reception and then led into the bowels of the hospital by someone wearing a face mask. We were all given these very chunky document wallets to review, which included signing things, reiterating what we said on the phone call and on the um, online questionnaire about our health. And then we sat down to watch a video with Professor Matthew Snape. And we were sort of simultaneously, you know, penciling everything in and and initialing everything and signing everything while Professor Matthew Snape said in a very reassuring tone that... They were mostly confident this would be fine, but there were some risks. And I remember he said that they're anticipating mild side effects, but they said they could be severe, they could be unforeseen. And the thing I remember most clearly was he said that there was a theoretical risk that the vaccine could prove not only ineffective, it could actually worsen the symptoms of COVID if you were to catch it. And I don't, I I remember it clearly, but again, I still at this point was not really reacting. I think I had just sort of adopted that blank expression of a pre-flight safety demonstration viewing. You know, I was taking it about as seriously as that. I was saying to myself, these guys know what they're doing. They're scientists, they're doctors. They need to find this. They wouldn't have got to this stage if it weren't safe. It still just felt really routine. And at that moment, I was just appreciating the return of routine, I think. 
Tom Whipple, the Times science editor, told me months ago that he was applying, but it never quite happened. In fact, I never heard back from the Oxford vaccine guys, although unlike most of the people who were rejected for vaccination, I occasionally interview them. So I took them up on this a while ago and they said they'd had thousands and thousands of applications and most people were rejected and I shouldn't take it personally. Hard not to take it personally, though, really. (laughs) I don't know what was wrong with me. I fitted the age category, I fitted the location, but, you know, I've missed my opportunity to be experimented on for medical science. I know. I mean, why do monkeys get all the luck? Oxford vaccine trial is just one of many COVID vaccine trials going on around the world. Who's in the field? Well, in the UK, I think in our sort of insular way, we know of our two big players, one of which is Imperial and the other one is Oxford. Um, The Oxford guys, by the way, the Jenner Institute. In the US, there's Moderna, who were the first to go into human trials in the US. There are a couple of teams in China who are similarly advanced. And then there are dozens and dozens of teams around the world. I mean, pretty much every pharmaceutical company is looking at this. And the reason why they're different, well, a lot of them are attacking the same protein spike, actually, the one that enables entry into cells, partly just on the basis that that's the one that's least likely to change or mutate in the virus, because if it does, then it instantly is unable to enter cells. So the Oxford team are using what's called a recombinant vector vaccine. So they've taken this string of genetic code from the coronavirus, which makes one of the coronavirus proteins. Now you've got that, that's fine. You've got to find a way to get it into the body and then to get it start making coronavirus proteins in the body. What they use is another virus. They use a chimpanzee virus, which doesn't reproduce in humans. And they're using that as a vector to get into the body and to do exactly what viruses do, to hijack cells, and it turns those cells into spike-making factories, which present the immune system with this protein target that they can later attack. The imperial vaccine is an RNA vaccine. So one aside here, when I talk about genetic material, we're quite used to the idea of DNA. RNA is a very closely related molecule that happens to be the one used by this virus. Now, they again have got a section of the RNA from the coronavirus, but in their case, they're encasing it in a a droplet of fat and they're going to inject this directly into the body. And their hope is that essentially cells will take up this fat, cells that like to ingest fat in in the muscles, um, they'll take it up. And when this RNA suddenly pops out from the middle of the fat, it will instruct the cells to display the spike from the protein of the coronavirus on the outside of them as a harmless warning to the immune system to tell it what will happen in the future. And there are lots of iterations of approaches like this. We have slightly put all of our eggs in this one basket, but it's quite a sensible basket to have them in. And hopefully one of them will hit on an approach which is safe, which gets enough of the virus protein in to enable strong immunity and which ultimately is shown in these big trials to protect people for a reasonable period of time against the coronavirus. Mm 
Back to Jack and the trial. How's he getting on? So far, for a millennial, I thought he seemed rather calm, considering the professor who briefed the volunteers was called Snape. I was lying back and the doctor then looked at me at quite close range with his mask on and said, I am sorry, but I'm going to have to touch your armpits. And this was the closest I'd come to a person in two months. And I just thought, fine, yes, OK, feel away. Right. Not exactly what I was expecting. So he did that. And then there was a blood pressure test on one of the machines. I gave a urine sample and then someone came by later and said, it's a perfect urine sample. Even that was really exhilarating, just knowing that I <laughs> submitted something perfect, amazing, great. Perfect pee is always a blessing. There were two hours of tests in all, and then Jack was free to re-enter lockdown and wait for a follow-up phone call for round two. I think they said within two days, but that came and went, and I actually, I was so anxious to do it. I was so keen to do it that I I sent a desperate follow-up email saying, oh, what's happened? Was my blood sample not perfect? Has something happened? Oh, dear. And they just emailed me straight back saying, please stay calm. We've only just had your medical history from your GP. We'll we'll call you when we call you. So you were afraid you'd failed the urine test? Yes, yes. It's the first time I've been properly examined since university, I suppose, and I couldn't help but think of it as a competitive thing of sort of, you know, no, I have the best urine sample and the best blood sample and so on. But they did call um, almost exactly a week later. Again, another abrupt, can you come in tomorrow, phone call. Yes, I can. Boom. One of the things that had happened at the previous visit was a nurse had said to me, oh, you know, the monkeys have responded well, because at the time that was the latest news with the monkeys they were testing it on, that they had responded well. And again, at the time that brushed off me, but when I started thinking about it after I'd gone back and I was getting ready to go back in for the injection, I don't know what it was. It just made me click that this was an experiment. That is the word for this. It's an experiment. And guinea pig had sounded so much cuter than monkey. When I was a child, I used to be fearful of needles. And bizarrely, that started to re-emerge after years of being absent from my life. Really? And I was getting ready to go back in. On the day I was going back in, I was going back in on the afternoon. And I was mostly fine, but I was just having this slight trepidation, slight uh, feeling of jitters. And then I just, I sent a tweet and I said oh, I'm going in to get this injection, I'm feeling a little nervous, I've suddenly remembered I'm scared of needles. If anyone wants to say anything encouraging, please do so. And and normally when, when I tweet, I get, you know, five replies or something like that. And, and within a few hours, all told, I had about 2,200 replies to that tweet from people all over the country, from people in, in every condition of isolation, every state of health, every perspective of the lockdown seemed to be represented in this avalanche of messages and tweets. The one that sticks in my mind the most was I was messaged by quite a few people who are shielding and who will, regardless of what happens with lockdown, be in their homes until well after the summer. And there was one woman who had had infusion treatments for her multiple sclerosis who said, the prospect of a vaccine gives me and so many others hope. It wasn't any more than that or less than that. It was just, this is really big for me. And I think all that and all the response just really buoyed me. And so I went back in within you know a couple of hours of sending that tweet, almost skipping and jumping, almost determined to sort of go in and do it. So he was sent home after the second part of the trial. And once more, he was left to ponder, what if this doesn't work? 
I was given a thermometer and a tape measure, which was not a very encouraging sight. A tape measure was to measure swelling and redness on the injection site. So that sort of that was almost a harbinger of, of quite serious symptoms, I thought, because if you need a whole tape measure, that was quite alarming. But in the end, I had very, very few side effects. I had a relatively stable temperature. I think I felt a raised temperature on the day after I had the injection. I felt a slight throat tickle the day before, and I was filling this in. We had to fill in a, a, a daily online diary of symptoms where we would go on, and I went on those two days and said, this is what I'm feeling. And I managed to record my symptoms and say nothing else because the journalist in me was almost desperate to start asking questions in the text box of the diary saying, does this mean I've had a vaccine and not the placebo? What does this mean? But I just kind of kicked back a bit and relaxed and trusted that I was in the hands of experts who knew better than me. Did you at any stage wake up in the middle of the night and think, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> I, I went to bed thinking that a couple of times because the symptoms I had... They were fine, but seemed to appear in the evening. And so I recorded them and then went to bed and thinking, not so much being terrified, but just being slightly anxious about whether they would still be there in the morning. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you just are a casual observer of the way in which these things are reported, there was a series of reports saying, yeah, it's going really well, it's pretty imminent. 
And then more recently, a series of reports saying, well, hold on a second, we're not quite so sure anymore. Now, what's your understanding of where we've got to? There's the specifics and the general. For the specifics, let's talk about the Oxford one. They've tested in macaques and this test seemed to go okay. In macaques, who the, the monkeys that have been vaccinated against coronavirus, they then exposed them to coronavirus and the macaques did not get infections in their lungs. They did not get the dangerous pneumonia and all of these other things, but they did get infected, which means that they could still pass it on. Now, that's not ideal. The scientists I've spoken said, well, look, if it turns us into the common cold, then to an extent we don't care. But on the other hand, what you don't get are these effects where you can stop the transmission of it, which means you don't have to vaccinate the whole of the population. And it means that the virus still hangs around. Now, the second problem with the uh, Oxford vaccine, which is even more of a sort of generic problem that we're facing is the head of the Jenner Institute said the other day that this is really a race against time because in order to test their vaccine in the wild, so to speak, which is what they have to do, they need enough people to be infected. And at the moment in Britain, we're doing quite a good job of suppressing the virus. So that's one of the problems they're facing in trying to prove it by September. We might be too good at lockdown to be able to prove that a vaccine works by then. So there's, uh, everyone has talked about how, I think the, the, the figure we always hear is 12 to 18 months. Um, we've moved on a couple of months from the time that figures were first quoted. So let's say 10 to 16 months before we can get a vaccine. That has been given as a statement of fact that we will get a vaccine. Now, people who work in vaccines are very conscious of the fact that quite often we don't get vaccines. The absolute classic example of that is HIV. Tens of billions of pounds have been spent on trying to get a vaccine for HIV since 1984. And we might get there, but we're still not remotely there. There are lots of reasons why these things can't work or might only partially work. We know that we have the vaccine for flu and you get it every year and it gives you maybe protection against 50% of the strains in a good year and then it's completely useless the next year. So it, it's possible we might get a vaccine that works for one season but it might turn out that it doesn't induce immunity for long enough. So we have to then get another vaccine the next year and the year after that. It's possible that the coronavirus will mutate, although actually it's, it's quite a stable target, certainly compared to flu. So the biggest concern is we just don't know how long immunity is induced for. Uh, so from what you've heard, where do you at the moment think the, our best hopes lie of a vaccine and in what kind of timetable? I know this is really an impossible question, but that's what you're there for. <laughs> I think we will know by the winter whether we're getting a vaccine. I think it'll begin to become pretty clear whether or not one of these is working. People I've been speaking to are saying that this is not a particularly difficult target in the, the scheme of things. I'm not going to put a figure on it. I am cautiously optimistic. I do think we will know by January or February probably whether it's going to happen, and I think, I think it probably will. But I don't think we should absolutely bet on it. Do you feel now very invested in what happens to this vaccine? I mean, do you watch out for any sign that they're talking about how it's going and so on? And do you find yourself still thinking, yes, I really want this to work? I mean, it sounds like a stupid question in a way, but... Not at all. Most of us just observe it, but you, you've you been there. 
Yeah, I, I am actually really invested because it's one thing to tell my grandchildren I was part of the vaccine trial that saved humanity. And, and it's a different thing to tell my grandchildren I was part of a failed vaccine trial that was one of about 130 vaccine trials that wasn't the one that won. In fact, I read the news quite recently. There was an update on the monkeys, which you may have read about, which is that, contrary to earlier reports, they are not doing so well. And when I read that, I was slightly bereft. I thought, oh, no, oh, we're not going to win. You know, this team that I'm invested in and part of might fail. But I think that the truth is that in science, failure is so central to all their endeavours that, you know, we as journalists are quite fond of straightforward narratives of success and we don't know how to compute failure but scientists understand it and adapt to it and proceed and it's a completely it's a total process of trial and error so there was bad news about the vaccine but i'm uh, confident my team will continue and persevere and produce something of note you've been listening to stories of our times with me david aronovich and my guests writer and journalist jack sommers and the Times science editor, Tom Whipple. You can read more of their work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Ben Mitchell and Asya Fuchs. The executive producer is Leo Hornack, and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe now to never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. Also in these uncertain times, you can access expert analysis on the latest developments in the COVID-19 crisis with the Times' dedicated daily coronavirus newsletter. Sign up for free at thetimes.co.uk slash coronavirus. See you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. 
Code PROGRAM.